Thank you, Jesus. Um, but he needed to stay home and rest and just get better. Amen. So y'all are stuck with me tonight. Praise the Lord. <laughs> And I do have a word from you. When he called me, I just immediately started talking to the Lord. And uh, the word that the Lord gave me for you tonight is I believe that God has some breakthroughs in mind for all of you. I believe there are some places where the enemy has, in has put us in prison, has put chains around us to discourage us and defeat us, that God wants to have you find freedom, amen, and whatever's holding you captive. And so the word the Lord gave me tonight is called the perspective of praise, the perspective of your praise, because praise, when you praise God, things begin to happen. When you praise God, atmospheres begin to shake, amen? When you praise, give God the sacrifice of praise, the enemy gets really afraid. Because when praise goes up, miracles come down, amen? And so I just want to get you excited tonight and empower you for what I believe is happening already in your, in your personal life. And there are things that happen in our life where we love God and we're, we're pursuing the things of God, but we have disappointments. If you've been serving God long enough, have you ever wondered, like, how did you end up here? Like, how did this happen, God? How did this situation come about? And it's almost like disappointment can come attached to our hearts when we're just loving and serving God, and we find ourselves in a place that we didn't want to see ourselves being in, didn't plan on being there, and maybe we don't deserve to be there because you're doing things right, and yet you find wrong things still happening, and that's the kind of things that I'm talking about tonight, and so we're going to do a couple of scripture studies, but I'm going to talk about um, Paul tonight. I love the journey of Paul. I'm actually kind of disappointed in myself because some friends of mine who are pastors are actually in Greece right now, and they're doing the footsteps of Paul, and I was invited to go, and I'm just kicking myself that I did not make that trip. I'm so mad because what a wonderful um, opportunity. But for some reason, I had my mind wrapped around going to Israel. And I'm like, well, I'll wait till Israel next year. And then I'm just like, oh, dumb, dumb, dumb. I should have went to Greece. But anyway, I love the journey of Paul. Paul was such an incredible man of God. But how many know things did not always go right for Paul either? And it's so important as we study the word of God that you study it in context because we can look at scripture verses and, and we can quote that verse. But if we don't really know why, and how in the picture of that verse, sometimes we can't get the full picture or revelation of the power behind that scripture, amen? And so I've been really enjoying digging deep, but in this context what we're going to study in Philippians 4 tonight is where Paul had this dream in his heart. He wanted to end up in Rome. He wanted to end up preaching the gospel in Rome. His whole goal and aim was to get to that city, and the, uh, theologians have said it's probably because Rome was a, uh, a commerce city. It was a city that had a lot of influence, and he truly believed that if he could get to that city of influence and make a difference with the gospel, how impacting that would be for the kingdom of God. So he had this one goal in mind, but what ended up happening with, with Paul as he got on this journey is he did end up in Rome, but he didn't end up in Rome as a preacher. He ended up in Rome as a prisoner. And if you ever find yourself in this journey of God and you have this place that you believe God's taking you to, right? We have visions and we have dreams and we really believe that what it should look like and what God has, but sometimes we end up at that destination and things don't look at all the way that they should be or the way that we think that they should be. But I'm here to encourage you tonight that no matter what situation you find yourself in, God is in the middle of that situation. 
God can work it out for his good. And there may be something going on in the unseen that you just can't quite understand yet when you learn to trust God. So wherever you're finding yourself, it doesn't mean necessarily you did something wrong and God is punishing you and there's a price to pay and you've got to dig your way out of this situation. Sometimes we get in the way of the mess. And I may be just where I'm at because God is using the influence of where I'm at, maybe not at this moment, but when I get on the other side, my story and my victory is going to touch somebody's life. Amen? And that's where God wants us to get as believers. And so here's Paul. He's now a prisoner, and he's been held captive uh, by the Bible. Well, studies say that they're chained to a Roman soldier, actually chained to them for 24 hours a day. So here he is, called by God, had a vision of God. He finds himself in prison, shackled to prisoners, and think about it, beaten, and all these things are going on, and he's wondering, God, where are you? And if anybody could be frustrated, it could be Paul right now, right? We could find him. And as he's, as he's in prison, he's waiting to be called to court to find out his judgment. He's been falsely accused, so he's waiting month after month after month, wondering, are they going to take my life? Are they going to kill me? Is this the end of my journey in Christ? Now, imagine the anxiety and the fear and maybe the anger and the role coast of emotions that where he's at right now, right? So I want you to understand as he is penning this letter to the Philippian, the Philippi church, he's in a very dark place and he's in a frustrated place and he doesn't maybe understand where he's at, right? So imagine as he's penning this first verse in, in chapter four, or excuse me, chapter one, verse four. The first thing he writes to the Philippi community is, says this, rejoice in the Lord always. Now, how is that possible for Paul in prison, held in captivity, not where he wants to be, and he's telling the Philippi church, listen, I need you to rejoice in the Lord. And then he began to sound like our mama. He had to say it twice. Your mama ever said anything twice to you? Or maybe you're a mama and you got to say it two times to make sure they get the point. He's saying, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I'm going to tell you one more time in case you forgot. Rejoice, I say, rejoice in the Lord. God is calling us in whatever prison we find ourselves in, whatever frustrating place where you don't think God is at, God is saying it's time to rejoice because there's victory in your rejoicing. Amen. There's a praise. There's a breakthrough when you begin to rejoice in God in a time where you're angry and you're frustrated and you're confused. It's in that midnight hour when you don't feel like rejoicing God, when your flesh, the last thing you want to do is maybe put on a praise, a praise song and begin to worship the Lord in your pain, worship the Lord in this uh, confusion of the state of where your life is at. But God is calling us to worship him even in our dark places. And honestly, there's more victory in our state of confusion than there is when we're on the mountaintop. Because now I'm praising God from a place of I don't understand instead of from the place of victory. And not only is victory going to happen to Paul, but it's going to happen to everyone around them. God always has a, pain, a, a, a purpose in your pain. It doesn't mean he puts you through the pain, but he has a purpose through it. He'll do something in you in a season that you don't understand, and he'll do something for others when you come on the other side of that thing. I can preach a pretty good preach when I'm preaching something that brought me through a dark place and got me to victory, amen? Your testimony is so real and so alive and has so much anointing on it when you've seen God move in a place where God shouldn't have 
you didn't see God show up. Amen. And that's what God, that's what the scripture is talking about. So the, the Bible says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. How many's ever seen those really cool Facebook posts? That would make a really great Facebook post, wouldn't it? It'd be like a really great magnet to put on your refrigerator, you know, or a coffee mug. We, you know, we Snapchat or Instagram our little, have my cup of coffee with Jesus, right? And it says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. But how many of you ever been in a situation where you're going through something and somebody says, you need to rejoice in the Lord always? (laughs) That can kind of tick you off, can it? It can kind of make us mad because I don't want somebody to tell me to rejoice in the Lord when I got a flat tire. I don't want somebody to tell me to rejoice in the Lord when my heart has been broken and people have stomped on it, when I've been betrayed, when my wife walked out on me, right, when my children are off doing drugs. How can you tell me that I need to rejoice in the Lord in a season when I'm broken? Because always in life, there aren't always opportunities where we can rejoice, is there? How can I rejoice when I'm battling cancer? How can I rejoice when I'm going through a diagnosis that I didn't see myself going through, right? How can I rejoice when I have anxiety that's so deep within me and I've been, and I've been anxious and overwhelmed and it takes my breath away? I don't know if anybody's ever done, uh, been dealt with anxiety. Um, I've dealt with that, and I'll share my story in just a little bit. But this is where Peter, Paul is talking about in this context. In those places where you don't see God, he's saying to rejoice anyway. He's saying to praise God anyway, amen? So let's look at the rest of this scripture verse, starting in verse 4 again. It says this, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Now, when you are in the midnight hour, the last thing you want to have is gentleness. That word translates self-control. So when you're going through that midnight hour and you want to act crazy, and we do act crazy, right? We get in our emotions and we say and do things we shouldn't say. Paul is saying, wait a minute, when you rejoice to God, when your praise is being lifted up, my negativity cannot go out. When your praise is being lifted up to God, God will align your emotions to make the right decision. When my praise is going up to God, I don't say things that I shouldn't say out of anger and frustration. Can I get an amen? See, God is saying rejoice and keep your eyes focused on me because I'm making a way where there seems to be no way. I'm making a miracle on the other side of this place that you feel imprisoned in, but I need you to rejoice and I need you to have self-control so that what? It may be evident to all. Let me read that again. Let your gentleness be evident to all. All. I'm going to let everyone see around me, my family, my kids, everybody, that I'm in self-control and I'm going to praise God in the midnight hour. Amen? Because I know God's going to work for me. And how do I do that? That verse goes on to say, because the Lord is near. Whatever situation you find yourself in today, and it looks impossible, and you wonder, how is this going to happen? You have to know the Lord is near. God has not left you. God has not abandoned you. God has not stopped working on your behalf. God has not stopped maneuvering uh, divine appointments and favor in your life. Even in the midnight hour, you have to see God moving on your behalf. Amen? Because he never stops moving. Verse 6 says, do not be anxious about anything. Everybody say anything. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving. Make your request to God. See, I find even in my walk and even in the darkest places, there are things that we can find thanksgiving for. 
there are things that we can thank God for in that midnight hour. It may not be what we wanted, but there are other things that we can thank God for in that situation. Amen? And what will happen when you do that? The peace of God, which transcends all my understanding. See, whenever you're facing right now, you shouldn't have peace or maybe a family member, or your children. You shouldn't have peace about it, but because you've learned to praise God, because you've learned to surrender everything to God, when you've learned to get out of your fear and your anger and your frustration and really tap into the presence of God, you know everything's going to work out for your favor. You don't know how, and you don't know when, and you don't know where, but you trust God that he is moving on your behalf. And the only reason why you can have true peace and sleep at night without wringing your hands, without being overwhelmed, without having anxious thoughts and troubled about many things is the peace of God. God, knowing God is moving. Amen. And I just want to reiterate this, that you're not where you're at because you feel you deserve it. I feel that so strong. There are not mistakes you made that put you where you're at today. The grace of God is sufficient for you. Amen. There is nothing that we could do that take us from the presence of God. His word says that. There's no height, no depth. There's nowhere I can go without the presence of God in my life. I can eliminate myself from the presence of God. I can eliminate myself from that equation, from feeling like God's going to work on my behalf. And then what does that do? That stops the faith of God working in me. And faith brings expectations for miracles. So if you're not seeing the miracles yet, it may be just yourself saying, maybe I don't deserve the miracle of God. Maybe I don't deserve the breakthrough of God because I got myself where I'm at. Has anybody ever been there before? We have self-guilt. We have self-hatred and self-condemnation that God's like, I didn't put, I don't want you there. I, you don't deserve to be there. But your inability to see God moving past it keeps us locked up in that circumstance. Amen. And God wants us to be free from that thing. Call out for his grace, grace, and whatever you're struggling with today. Amen. That grace, grace will shout to that mountain and level that mountain. That's what the Bible says, right? So he, what does he go on to say? And the peace of God will transcend, go past all your understanding. I don't know why I'm not losing my mind. I should be. <laughs> and what will happen? He will guard our hearts. He will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? I'm going to bring every thought captive to the word of God. I'm not going to be troubled in my emotions. I'm not going to be troubled in my mind. Where I've been out of control, I'm going to ring it right back in. Amen. I'm going to rally those negative thoughts and those things that want to overwhelm me in the midnight hour. And I'm going to trust God. Because either God's going to give you the miracle or he's not, right? So there's nowhere we can put our ability in that equation any longer because we'll run very tired. But when you put God in the middle of it, he will make a way. And it happens through our praise. And not just our praise, but the perspective of our praise. So how could he praise God when his dream was to preach and he was a prisoner? What a great disappointment that would have been inside of his heart, amen? And I'm going to give you the answer and we're going to talk about it. The reason why he could praise God anyway, because it was all about his perspective. He had a different perspective than seeing himself locked in prison. He didn't see it that way. He saw God in the middle of a situation. Amen. Perspective means this. It's very simple. How you see something. How do you see what God is doing through this situation, right? There are two different people can see the same thing and have two different perspectives from it. Isn't that the truth? 
I can be preaching one message and many of you will get so many takes from it because of your perspective or how you're filtering it through life. So you can be in a situation, but how do you perceive it? Are you seeing God? That perspective means how you see something. Are you seeing God in this thing and through this thing? There was this, um, I don't guys, if you remember back in the day, there was this thing called the magic eye, and it was like a, a picture, and it had like all these little zigzag lines, but if you stared at it long enough, like almost got cross-eyed, another picture would pop out 3D. How many remember that? They're so awesome, and it's, it can be challenging because what you have to do, if you want to see a different perspective from that flat, you know, crazy little design, you have to um, look through it. It's almost like you have to get at a certain angle and you got to look like stare and look so hard to look through it. And as soon as you lose your own perspective, you begin to see the perspective that's underneath it. And it jumps out at you. And so what do you have to do in your situation? I'm going to look through it to see Jesus. I'm going to look through it to find the perspective of God. It isn't going to be something that's going to jump out at you because you're going to see everything that's wrong. You're going to see every obstacle, amen? That's why your emotions are in prison. But when you keep pressing through, I'm going to see Jesus. If I have to sit here all night long, I'm not going to. And I remember looking at those things. Everybody's like, oh, I see it. Oh, I got it. I'm like, I can't see it yet. And I'm kind of panicking, like, oh, my God. And I'm like, I'm not leaving here until I see that thing, you know? And then all of a sudden, it's like it just jumps out at you and you couldn't see it before. Oh my God, that's awesome. And that's how God wants you to be. It's your perspective of what you're going through. And when you see God, when you can see the miracle on the other side, even though you're still in prison, now I can rejoice. Now I know there's a miracle coming. coming. I don't know how long these chains are going to be on me, but I saw Jesus. Amen. God wants you to see through. I have a couple fun pictures. We'll put up whatever one you want first, sweetheart. You guys have maybe seen some of these before, but, you know, if you can look in here, some of you may see a beautiful woman, and some of you might see an old hag. How many see the beautiful woman? How many of you can see the old hag? How many of you can see both? Yeah, if you look close enough, you can do that. So it's about perspective. How are you looking at it? right? Are you seeing all the negativity? Are you seeing all the frustration? Are you seeing all the disappointments? Then that's what you'll see. But if you see Jesus, right? If I tell you there's a beautiful woman in that picture, you're going to keep looking until you see that beautiful woman, and then the old hag disappears, doesn't it? See, it's all about what you see. It's all about what you want to see. I can choose to see all the negativity, but man, that's going to keep me disappointed and locked up. But I'm going to see Jesus. And as soon as I can see Jesus, I'm going to, hey, I'm going to let it go. I'm going to trust God. Go ahead and put another one up there. This one's a little easier. I just thought for fun we could do this. Do you have another one, sweetie? It's okay if you don't. Okay, we'll just do this. Okay, so how many of you see the two people's nose facing each other? And how do you see, like, the little vase that's in there, right? So it's all about perspective. We don't have to show. We'll show the other one really quick. But it's all about our perspective. How are you seeing it? Amen. And you have to reach in. Can you see, like, the big nose old guy and then the beautiful woman looking the other way, right? So you have to ask yourself tonight, how are you seeing your life? What perspective are you looking from? Because I believe that whatever perspective you're looking from is what you're always going to see, amen. But when you can see Jesus, it changes everything.
That same root, that word perspective means um, to look through. That same word perspective means to look through. So I'm going to look through. I'm going to get God's perspective on this situation. Amen. Perspection, uh, perspective of fear and anxiety, is that what you see? Or do you see praise? Do you see God mer- working on the other side of that situation, right? Perspective of pain, if you're constantly seeing the negativity, if you're seeing the pain, your dreams are over, right? You're stuck here. Nothing's ever going to change. Maybe you lose your sleep or, or you can't breathe and you're feeling all this negativity. I found a scripture verse for you if you have that negativity. And it's Philippians 1, 12 through, 12 through 13. And it's the BP version, BP V version, and it could either be Bar Pruitt version or Bad Perspective version. Just so you know, this is not true scripture, but for our sake of those who are feeling the negativity, this is how scripture would read to us. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, this is from Paul's perspective, that what has happened to me really sucks. God let me down. I'm overwhelmed with anxiety, depression, and hopelessness. Because of the hell I've been through, I'm going to quit serving, and I'm never coming back to church. I know none of you feel that way. But can you hear ourselves in that? This is how we take scripture, and we live by it. We live by the perception, I keep saying the wrong word, perception of our pain, of our frustration, and we can only filter the word through our disappointment instead of seeing the victory of God's word. So Paul had what? He didn't have a perspective of of disappointments. He had a perception of praise, right? Because he said, rejoice in the Lord always. He didn't see that he was arrested. He didn't see that he was falsely accused. He didn't see that he was beat up and thrown into prison. He saw praise. And because of that, he could pen the rest of the scripture verse that says this. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, Philippians 1, 12 through 3, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. He's saying, I know it looks like it's in prison, and I wanted to be a preacher out there, but I want you to know God's also doing something here while I'm shackled. See, he saw God working it to his, to his good. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in change for Christ. He's saying, I'm not here because I have a bad attitude. I'm not here because I did anything wrong. I am here because I am bound for Jesus Christ. Amen? What a powerful thing. What he didn't think was really good, what he didn't think was good was really bad, but he said, but my God is going to work everything together for my good. He knew that the Bible said, no weapon formed against me shall prosper, amen? God said he'd never leave me and he's never going to forsake me. When you're looking from that perception, it changes everything, amen? Think about this. Maybe Paul was, was thinking this. He was, as I sh- said earlier, he was bound to a Roman guard for 24 hours a day. But there was a shift every eight hours with a new guard. And maybe Paul was thinking, hey, you know what? I'm not bound to him. He's bound to me. Because the eight hours that I have him attached to me, he's going to hear about the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's going to hear the good news. He changed his perspective. I'm not bound in prison. That, that Roman guard is bound to me. And I know that his life is going to be changed forever. Can you see changing your perception and how you see things can shift the miracles of God to begin to work in your life. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. You want to have a good perception. Amen. 
got to share the gospel. And the reason why I believe Paul could share this so boldly in the study of the letter to the Philippi, the Philippi was because earlier in the book of Acts, we read the story that most of us know about when he was thrown in prison. This is not Peter, Paul's first time in prison. He's been in prison many times on his journey. And in this particular story, in Acts chapter 16, right, and he was bound and he was put in prison with his brothers, he made it a place of prayer and worship. He made it a place that he didn't understand what was going on. And what had happened was there was a young girl. She was full of demons. Uh, She was stopping the work of God. And so Paul stopped his work, and he cast the demon out of the girl. I mean, that seems like the will of God, right? And what happened? They were thrown into prison because of it. A riot broke out, and they were thrown into prison and falsely accused again. So I want you to look at Acts 16, verse 22. It says this, the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas. And the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. Now, when you look at this verse, you may think, well, thank God that doesn't happen today, amen, that we can't, we're not going to be publicly stri- stripped and beaten. But I want to ask you tonight, are you, have you feel stripped of your confidence? Do you feel stripped of your faith and your peace and your joy? Like has something been taken from you through a, a time of disappointment, a time where you, you don't understand why you went through it and now you've been stripped of your faith? And if every one of us would be honest in this room, we've all been there. We have all felt stripped and we felt vulnerable and we wonder where God are you, right? He was beaten down, beaten down. Maybe today you're, you're discouraged and you have doubts and you have worries and, and that's the same symbol of being beaten. There are things that have just taken the joy of God out of your life. And God wants to bring that back to you. Amen. He wants to restore your joy of salvation, the joy of loving God, the joy of serving God, the joy of believing God for miracles. You know, we can come to church all day long, but if we have our joy stripped from us, if we have our passion stripped from us, how fruitful are we really in the kingdom of God? You have to understand that every one of us in this room have gone through that midnight hour. Every one of us have been stripped and vulnerable and wondering, God, where are you? And we had to pick ourselves back up and get our faith back and get our hope back again. But the enemy would love to keep us beat down, keep us feeling worthless, keep us feeling like God has abandoned us when God's saying, no, I am with you wherever you go. If you can somehow dig deep and get that faith back and get that excitement back, I'll move on your behalf. Amen. So about midnight, uh, let's see, where am I at? The crowds joined in and they stripped them and beaten them with rods. And so imagine this, they were beaten. Just get a picture of the word of God. They were bloody. Their face was probably swollen. They were wrongly accused, right? Maybe broken nose, fractures on their body, thrown on a cold, hard prison floor. How do you think you would respond if that happened to you, Right? You get a bad report. You find out your child is off doing drugs and, and things are happening, right? You get, a, you get another bill in the mail and you get frustrated because you, t- you just gave into the parking lot and now you got this nasty bill and you're trusting God. You, you're believing for your marriage and you get this bad report, right? It's the same thing. It's the same thing. And what did Paul decide to do? He's like, yo, you want to worship God? Think about that. He's beaten. He's defeated. He's overwhelmed, and he said, let's have a worship service. Let's begin to worship God through our pain. But how many of us, including myself, would that be the last thing on my list to do is to worship God? 
But see, when you're in a place when you know God, even in the midnight hour, you can worship him anyway. Even in the midnight hour, you can lift that sacrifice, sacrifice of praise, amen. You can find good in whatever you're going through. And you may be going through a hard time, but do you have Christian friends in the body of Christ? You can thank God for your Christian friends. Do you have a church that preaches the word of God and allows the Holy Spirit to flow? You can praise God for that, amen? You can look around and begin to thank God for the little things that you have in your life until the miracle begins to happen. There are good things in our life, but we don't see them from our perspective of disappointment. And God is saying, just shift how you're looking at things and begin to see that I am present. Begin to see that I have moved on your behalf. Begin to see the positive. Amen. We have to reroute this brain because when it is used to acting like a spoiled two-year-old out of control, we have to reel it back in. We have to discipline our thoughts and we have to begin to see the goodness of God. I've always said this, if you're not dead, you're not done. If you ain't dead yet, if you still got air, God is not done with you yet. Amen. God is not done with your children or your finances. If you still have air to breathe, God is still working a miracle on your behalf. In Acts 16, verse 25, it says this, about midnight, right? And we know this story, but about midnight, when it seemed hopeless in the darkest, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And listen, other prisoners were listening to them. See, when you're praising God and it doesn't make sense, other people see that. Your coworkers don't understand why you have a smile on your face. Your families don't know why you can wake up and be happy and, and enjoy life and enjoy your marriage when you're going through hell, right? It doesn't make sense. But, so when you're praising God, you're allowing the presence of God to go to other people's lives. The fragrance of your worship is releasing miracles to everyone that you have an influence in your life, amen? If there's any reason to praise for that reason, it's that reason, right? As I know I'm doing it for someone else. The guards made a big mistake. Something that they should have probably done is separated Paul and Silas. <laughs> probably shouldn't have got their faith working together. And what would be the enemy's greatest tool when you're in the, in the midnight hour? S to separate you all by yourself. To seclude you. Become a loner. Become in a place where there's no influence of God or positivity or, or Christian influence or good. If he can pull you alone to himself, he keeps you in this cave of darkness and disappointment. And we can go to heaven and we'll, we'll have the glory of God one day, but the enemy will keep you trapped on earth in disappointment all the rest of our days. And God has not called us to that, has he? God's had to call me out of the cave of shame many times. God's had to call me out of the cave of disappointment many times because I won't get myself to a place where the enemy now has full reins over my heart, my mind, and my emotions. Because when that happens, we truly get defeated. And we can't see a way, a way out, amen? So notice what they were doing. They were praising God while they were in prison. Not when the miracle happened yet, but while they were in prison. So you're not praising God for what he's done. You're praising God for who he is. So it's not about the miracle. When you can come into a worship service and worship God and your heart is broken, my praise is releasing faith because I'm not worshiping him for what he did. I can praise him anytime when the miracle's there, but I'm worshiping him for who he is. I'm going to worship him if I never get the miracle. I'm going to worship him if I never get the breakthrough, if I never get the promotion, if I never get the restoration. None of that matters to me. I'm going to worship him because he is my God. Amen. And it changes that perspective in our life. Thank you, Jesus. 
So we praise God for who he is and what, what happens, and we know the end of the story is that the chains break off, right? The prisoners are all set free. The, the prison guard gets born again, and his whole household is saved. Now, why did I fast forward that story is because now, after this miracle, now we're fast forwarding to the original letter we were reading about the Philippines when he was in prison in Philippi. Now he's writing, rejoice in the Lord always. Why can he say that? Because he saw God move in praise earlier in his life. He saw the miracle in his imprisonment. There was no guarantee that praising God in this moment was going to break the shackles off, but he knew the power of praising God in the midst night hour. He knew what could happen, right? And so that's where he's coming from. You can rejoice always, no matter where you find yourself in life. Amen? I remember I was with Pastor Jenny. We were in Mexico, and we had decided to take this boat and go swimming with the whales. I talked her into some pretty crazy stuff. We had so much fun. So we decided to go out and go swimming with the whales. Well, she didn't know this, but I was dealing with severe anxiety attack. And um, it's, another, it's another name for it, but I can't remember. But I panic attacks. And I, I could be sitting in a restaurant in a booth, like on the inside seat, and I would literally lose my breath. I'd have to get up, get out of the booth. It was horrible. I'd be with Quinny many times, and we'd go into, like, these uh, business complexes. And you know how you go in, and then you go in the middle of the building, and then you take an elevator up to to the next floor, and then you go in, and every place we went up and in, I was thinking about how far away I was from the exit, and I literally, I told, I said, oh my God, I, I lost my breath, I couldn't, I couldn't breathe, and every, I, I just couldn't breathe having these anxiety attacks, so here Pastor Jenny and I, we're in the middle of the ocean in Mexico, and um, this anxiety attack hits me, and I literally cannot breathe. Now, I'm not telling her that because I'm super embarrassed. How many know you get embarrassed about things, and you don't want to show vulnerability in those weakness times? And so I just go, oh, my, and I'm like, I'm in the middle of Mexico in the most air I'm ever going to get, and I literally cannot breathe. I'm like, oh, like literally I, I want to throw myself on the ground. I thought, and I cried out to the Lord. I said, God, please don't let me die between Cuba and Florida and Mexico. Please. I don't want to die here. I want to make it back to shore. And Quinn had just put on my phone, which I didn't have any music to my phone, but she had just put in some Benny Hinn, Hinn music on my phone because she loves Benny Hinn. So I, I remember, oh, my gosh, I have a song on my phone. And so I put my earbuds in, and I just begin to say, thank you, Jesus, as he was singing How Great Thou Art, I think it is. And I just been, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. And the peace of God just came over me, and that anxiety attack lifted in that moment, and I realized I could breathe, but it was very real to me, right? So what does praise do? Praise puts you in this perspective of, I need God. Like, literally, I could have lost, I could have had such an anxiety attack. I know I could have died because it was so taking my breath away. But because of praise, because I was able to change my perspective, that moment, the presence and the peace of God, and we went swimming with the whales and had such a good time, and it was great. Amen? So that's why I'm sharing this with you, the perspective of praise. It doesn't mean that situation is always going to change in that moment. So it's not a magic pill. He's not a genie in a bottle, but it at least changes your perspective so that you can find some peace and joy in what you're facing in that situation. Amen? How many know God wants you to have joy in what you're going through? And then as you're going through with joy, he's going to, um, he'll make the miracle come to pass. Listen, my goal has always been in my walk with God. I'm going to find joy in this. That is my aim. It has been since I've been a young girl. God, where are you at in this? What are you doing in me and what are you doing through me? God, where are you? 
And then I can make it through anything when I know God, my Father, is on my side, fighting on my behalf, standing with me, amen, and my faith is activated. So I want to encourage you tonight, whatever you're going through, you need to be intentional about finding God and peace and joy in that situation, amen, till he works it out for good. So verse 25, let's look at this again. About midnight... Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, see, when you begin to praise God, there's that suddenly breakthrough moment. There was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prisons were shaken. At once, all the prisoners' doors flew open, and everyone's chains came loose. Thank you, Jesus. Think about, there they are sitting there, Paul and Silas. Wondering, where are you, God? And Pauline's are like, hey, sigh, Silas. Hey, sigh. You want to worship God? You want to praise God in our situations? Amen. Why don't we sing that one song that we heard, you know, whatever that song is. I wrote down this song. I love it. It says, I will lift my hands while I'm waiting. Let's, let's sing that to God, sigh. I don't know why we're here, but I'm going to lift my hands while we're waiting. Louder than my fears, I'm going to sing, amen. May my heart ever be reminded, you are good. You are good. Let's worship him, right? Let's put a praise tape on. Let's put a praise song on in the car. Let's worship God. And it changes your perspective. I can praise God in the midnight hour. I can praise him when I don't understand him. And I can lift my hands and find the peace of God no matter what I'm going through. Amen. The key that unlocks your miracle, listen, is the sound of your praise. The key that unlocks your miracle is the sound of your praise. He said, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let's take away this tonight that it's not what you praise him for. It's who you praise. It's who you praise. We're going to praise God no matter what. Amen. I'm going to have the praise team come up, and we're just going to close in a worship song tonight because I want to take a minute to apply this word tonight. Amen. I want to take a minute for us to just worship God. In whatever situation you came in here tonight, I want you to worship God. Whatever fears or failures or rejections, this is not about a show to man. This is about a surrender to God. Amen. This is surrender to God, to whatever you're facing, whatever you're going through. And this is something we take home. We take home. I can worship God while I'm getting my makeup on. It doesn't have to be a religious setting. I worship God while I'm cooking my dinner. I worship God while I'm in the car. Amen. I worship God when I, I'm in that midnight hour. There's times I'll come through here and I'll worship God in this sanctuary. Or I'll go into my office and I'll worship God there because I need a perspective of God on the situation. Amen. So I'm going to go ahead and have you stand to your feet. Father, we thank you tonight for our praise. We thank you tonight for your presence. That God, whatever we're going through, whatever situation, God, you are there. And Lord, just as we shared about Paul, that whatever I feel tied to, Father God, I'm tied to victory on the other side. I'm tied to a breakthrough. I'm tied to a miracle, God. I am not held captive in prison, but Lord, I am held captive to your purpose and your breakthrough and your destiny. So Lord, tonight as a church, as we worship you, I pray, God, that our praise will go up, that our worship will come into your presence, God, 
and that your anointing will richly fall down and touch us tonight. And we thank you for that. We thank you for that in the precious name of Jesus. Just lift your hands tonight. Thank you, Jesus.